It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Hey, everybody. Welcome to your Thursday edition of P4P Real Talk. You know what that means. This program is sponsored by P4P Muscle, the number one drug-free sponsorship in the world. El Mundo, as Kaylin Patterson would say. If you are a drug-free athlete and are looking for a solid foundation to stand on as well as a vehicle to drive your goals, like what, Marley? Like a Mack truck through ice cream. (laughs) <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Check us out at P4PMuscle.com. And now let's talk. I am Desiree Fletcher, and our Mack Truck Through Ice Cream one-liner tonight is our special guest, Marley Apps. We're going to hear more from her in just a second. Kalen will be with us momentarily. He uh, There was an accident at the gym, Fit Body U, where he uh, works. And so he's helping get the uh, young lady who hurt herself to an ambulance. So he's doing Samaritan work for this evening. And as soon as we make sure, he makes sure that this gal is in hands and off to get examined, he will joining us, joining us, can't even speak. He will be joining us and then, uh, you know, we'll take it from there. So before we get started with Marley, though, I want to um, – Give a little shout-out to Doug Randolph. His show is going to be this weekend in uh, North Lake, Illinois. It is the uh, PBNA, NBA, I'm probably saying that backwards, INBA, PBNA, North American. So that is this weekend. Both Kayla and I are going to be there. Kayla is also going to be judging, and uh, I get the honor of handing out awards at the night show. So that's a little bit different for me. I have not had a chance to do that before, but I'll be doing it tonight at this show. And then, you know what? For the next two weekends, Kaylin and I are going to be covering the best of the best in natural bodybuilding. And that doesn't mean that the best of the best haven't been on other shows that we haven't been able to attend, but we know that the best of the best are also going to be at these shows coming up because there's always the best of the best at any show, at any given time, anywhere. So North American this weekend. Then, of course, next weekend is the P4P NGA Undefeated Natural Championships. That's in the Wisconsin Dells at the whole chunk Casino. And then the following weekend is the um, OCB Skyview Classic. And that is uh, going to be in Villa Parks, Illinois, and that's on August 18th. So we are covering um, quite a few different organizations this month. It's just crazy how that all came together. So we've got the uh, INBA, PNBA, and the uh, NGA, and now the OCB. So there you have those, and that's just August. There's a lot more coming up in uh, September and October and through November. So stay tuned, folks because there's going to be a lot of great things heating up, and uh, we hope to be able to share with you on as many of those as we can. So with all that being said, and without further ado, I am going to uh, get us moving on our show tonight. So if you guys remember, probably a little over a month ago, we had Mark on uh, the show. We were... uh, she had won her pro debut at John Abel's uh, Heart of American or, uh, Classic, Natural Classic, and um, just a great show. But as part of that show, we had shared about her work as a uh, personal trainer and uh, how she works with different special populations. We had started out the conversation um, talking about her work with cancer survivors, but then discovered that there were a lot of other groups who had special health considerations or needs that she also works with. And you guys were picking up on that left and right, 
some questions. We didn't have a chance to take a deep dive to this part of Marley's story, so we brought her tonight, and here she is, and we are going to talk more about wellness and uh, being a trainer with individuals that are part of different special populations. So with that, Marley, please introduce yourself again to all of our listeners, and then we will get started. Well, um, again, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Um, like you said, I, I'm a personal trainer. Um, I am an NGA pro figure competitor, and um, I work with special populations at the YMCA, where I am the group fitness um, director of land and water exercise. I've been a trainer for probably 15 years, and I've been working with these special populations for probably the last um, 10 to 12 years, so for, for quite some time now. So um, they're probably my, my favorite groups to work with. All right, awesome, so awesome. So the the main, not the main, the first population that we really just kind of scratched the surface on were cancer survivors and that you have a group of, um, I don't even know of how many, but, um, you know, quite a large group. And, you know, you hear the why is pretty altruistic in that they do have a lot of different programs that you're not necessarily going to find at other gyms. And so there was a great article about, um, and it was entitled, Personal Trainers Do More Than Coat Cancer Survivors. And it just really took more of a deep dive into all of the different things that you guys do with that particular um, group of individuals. Just give us an overview of um, what that program is, what it entails, and the takeaways from your clients, you know, being a, being a survivor is one thing, but then after getting through the treatments, the chemotherapy, it's, you know, tackling life after that and being the healthiest you that you can be. So talk to us a little bit about, you know, some of those challenges that your clients face and just the work that they're doing to be the best that they can be. They face such, you know, a life-altering illness as they've had. Yeah, sure. So we have been running, I work for the Scott County Family YMCA in the Quad City area. Um, we started running the Live Strong at the Y Cancer Exercise Program in 2011. Um, so we do it through the Live Strong Foundation, the natu- National Live Strong Foundation. Um, they had decided that they, the, the more and more studies came out that people with cancer and going through their treatment, one of the best ways to help fight fatigue and to get back to what we call their new normal is through exercise. And I think in the past, a lot of doctors, oncologists, and and radiation oncologists um, kind of told their patients, like, go home and rest. You need to take care of yourself. But they started finding out more and more that cancer survivors needed exercise, and that would help them, like I said, fight the fatigue and some of the symptoms that they were going through um, when they were battling, you know, their cancer and, and going through these treatments which is different, you know, for every cancer survivor. Um, In this area, we've worked with over 500 cancer survivors. Our program is a 12-week program that we offer free to anybody in the community that has cancer of some kind. Um, We work with people at all stages of their cancer. So some of them have just been diagnosed and maybe need to get stronger or get healthier before they go through a surgery. Um, Some of them are going through their treatments currently, and some of them are done with treatment. And we have a few that have been out of treatment for, you know, sometimes 20 years. They just have never really done anything since they've been diagnosed. Some of them are coming out of surgeries where they don't really know what they can be doing safely. They've, they've done their physical therapy, mm-hmm. and then that's over, and they're kind of left to, okay, go exercise, go do something, and they're nervous. They don't know what to do. They, you know, they're not sure what's safe for them um, and what their capabilities are at that point because their bodies are different. And, and often their mind is different, too. They're not only fighting um, what they've gone through physically, but things that they're going through emotionally, being a survivor, from where they are. So every cancer survivor that comes in our door is at a different level. You know, we've had some that are young. Um, maybe they've run marathons before. They're really strong. They've got some gym experience. They kind of know what they're doing in there. They're just not really sure where to start after this process. And we have a lot of first-timers that, you know, they're coming in and they've never worked out a day in their life. So not only have they never done it before, but they're coming in and doing it as a survivor also. Um, We're able to offer this program free to the community through grants and different training opportunities that we get because we know that 
cancer not only takes a toll on your body, but it takes a toll financially as well. So we, we want to help them regain their lives and to get healthy again and not have to worry about the financial burden of going through a program like this. Um, so we offer it free, and we also offer their family a membership as well so that they have a support system with them. You know, a lot of times they may be a young parent that has, has young children, and the why is a place for them to bring their kids and play basketball or go swimming on days that they're not in our class. So they get a full 12-week membership to our five branches um, that they can use at any time as long as they're still coming to our classes twice a week. Um, and then that way, you know, they feel like they have some fun time with their family as well, and but they don't have to think about being a cancer survivor at that moment. The one comment I think that we hear from our survivors um, from, the, from the very beginning is that they always feel better when they leave than when they came in. A lot of them will say, you know, I'm tired mm-hmm. and I don't feel well today. And sometimes that just means we'll walk around the tra- track and chat for a little bit and just getting them out of their house or getting them moving a little bit is all they can handle, but it's enough that it makes them feel better when they leave. And by the end of the 12 weeks, you know, all we hear about is, is how great they feel or maybe they are walking around the mall with their, with their daughter and their daughter says, oh, my gosh, Mom, I can't believe how well you can walk or how far you can go now that you couldn't do before. So they're really noticing how their strength is changing and their endurance is changing and they're feeling better and they're getting stronger. And so, you know, cancer, even though it's such a big part of their lives, is, is kind of on the back burner a little bit because they feel like they're getting their life back and they feel like they're getting their new normal. We call it the new normal because nothing, I don't think, will ever always be the same as it was before. They'll always live with the knowledge that they had cancer and the fear of it reoccurring. Um, but at least they feel like they have some control over their health when they come to us and when they get through our program. Most of our participants join afterwards. They join the Y. Um, we also offer, mm-hmm. offer scholarshiping for the ones that can't afford so that they can keep coming because then they've done the 12 weeks of the exercise. They know what they need to do. They feel better and they've gotten stronger. So then it's my job, I feel like, to put them into our Y system and, you know, what classes can we direct them to? Let's find some things that you really love to do to keep you coming so that you don't lose this healthy lifestyle that you've already started. Because we all know how easy it is when you fall off the boat to not get back on. So, oh, yeah, most definitely, just most to, definitely. Just to get them strong and get their endurance built up. And um, we do a lot of educating because, you know, for the ones that have never come into the gym before, they have no idea what they're doing. They don't know what their equipment is. It looks scary. So we do weights with them. We'll do free weights. We do so the weight equipment that we have. We do cardio. So, they may come in knowing any, nothing at all, and by the time they leave, they, they know exactly what they need to be doing when they come in the door. And I, th- I mean, just everything about the program is pretty amazing, and I don't know that I've ever seen anything quite like it, although there may be other programs similar to it in other areas. But you had referenced that you serve, you are serving or have served, you know, over 500 cancer patients, and um I'm imagining that the program has grown incrementally or has it just like always been a boon since the beginning and you average about that many patients a year? Well, it's been a boom since we started. Um, In fact, we're a little bit short staffed right now, so we're having a hard time serving as many people as what we need to do um, because we kind of run it like small group personal training. So we're working with a small group of cancer patients. Um, so that they're, you know, they feel like they're being connected to a group. They feel like they're getting the one-on-one time that they need with us. But it also kind of serves as a support group for them as well. So we work with really small groups. Um, but I can say that we, our sessions are usually full um, six, more, six months in advance because, you know, the oncologists are sending them our way. Their physical therapists are sending them our way. They're hearing it through word of mouth. So really, we could be serving so many more if we could get a few, a few more trainers to, to help us out. So we're, we're, always, we're constantly hiring for these positions because, um, you know, we, we, need, we need these because, unfortunately, there are so many cancer survivors in our area. Um, you know, my goal is that hopefully someday we won't have anybody to work with because cancer won't be an issue anymore. But, unfortunately, that's not, that's not the case right now. No, not at the moment, but that would totally be amazing if that were the case. Um, and so, and you actually answered my next question because I was wondering how these individuals find out about you, but it sounds like you're getting a lot of referral in. And, you know, did that require in the beginning some networking with the oncologist, the physical therapist, or 
Did they just happen to hear about the program, or 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 how did you how did you get it up and going once it was launched? Yeah, that was that was the hard thing um, because we did have to gain the trust from the medical community in our area. You know, I mean, they're they're pretty protective of their their cancer patients, and they don't want to put them in hands of people that might hurt them or do something that you know could could impair the treatment that they're having and. So it took some time to earn some trust. We did do some networking with a lot of the nurse navigators in our area. Um, we have a Gildas Club here locally, so we did a lot of work through Gildas Club. Um, we also did a lot of networking with the physical therapists in our area as well. And we, we, we do that through having them coming in as guest speakers. Um, so maybe we'll do, if we have a lot of breast cancer survivors, one of our sessions we'll have a, a physical therapist that specializes in lymphedema come and do a talk on lymphedema and how to prevent it and to know the warning signs. Um, so we really did a lot of networking and tried to invite the medical community into our program as much as possible because we know also the closer that we're working with them, the better it is for these people too. So if they're, if they're going through physical therapy, you know, I will often call and say, what, what, not so much what do you want me to do with them, but what should I not be doing with them? So that I can connect with the people mm-hmm. that they're working with through their treatment so that we can offer them the best program that we can give them. But, yeah, in the beginning, it was a little hard to get it set up. Um, it took a while to get people to actually start referring on to us. I think also so many of the mm-hmm. cancer patients that we've had go back and tell their doctors what a great program it was and, and how much they gained from it. And their doctors mm-hmm. are seeing it because their numbers are better and they're stronger and they're, they're, you know, their life function is better. And so they realize, hey, these people are actually doing a really good thing. I'm going to start sending, sending people their way. So that's, that to me speaks volumes for our program. Okay, very And then when you're talking that the doctors see their patients' numbers are better, what exactly are you referring to there? Well, just their strength and their endurance. So a lot of times when we, okay. you know, when we get them, when they come in the door, they can barely get out of a chair. You know, we have some that just to stand up out of their chair is a big deal. Sometimes you have to help them up depending on, you know, what surgeries they've had or um, what treatments they're going through. And then by the end of the 12 weeks, you know, they can stand and sit doing chair squats 12 times or they're walking in and not huffing and puffing in their office anymore. Or they're just talking about how their daily lives are better because they feel stronger. And their doctors see that. I mean, they see that, you know, maybe their blood pressure is down a little bit or maybe their numbers look better or um, they see the strength that they've gotten just by the way that they're walking or the way that they can stand and sit in the office and, and those kinds of things. So they can definitely tell, like, the strength and endurance is, is getting better as they're going through these programs. And that's good. I mean, and I I really do appreciate that, and I like that cooperation that, you know, the the two organizations, and I'll say the gym and the medical community, have going there because the medical model doesn't always, you know, embrace some of the other aspects of health and wellness if they don't fall exactly in line with the type of work that they're doing. Um, and so I'm glad to see that they're recognizing that exercise is an important part for this particular population in their recovery, and you guys are doing a great job of filling that. So I think that is awesome. Can you fill us in a little bit on some of the special considerations um, that you guys have put in place or you have to keep in mind for your cancer survivor patients? So I know that, you know, fatigue, weakness, you know, those parts are there, and so you have to be particularly mindful about, you know, the types of programming you put them through, but are there other areas that you have to, um, you know, approach a little bit differently than you would, you know, someone who's just coming off the street and they're like, okay, we want training because we want to lose weight, you know, type of client. Right. So when they first come to us, we always start off with a, with an intake interview is what we call it, where I sit down with them one-on-one. I spend about an hour with them. We go through, um, we have quite a bit of paperwork that we go through, but we kind of go through their life history of what their medical conditions are. Because, you know, sometimes it can be a surgery that they had 10 years ago could be affecting maybe their posture or range of movement in a joint. Um, and then, of course, the surgeries and the treatments that they've had often, often are, are are inhibiting maybe movement also. Um, so we, we do that in the very beginning. We also do an assessment in the beginning so that we can kind of see where they are. Because sometimes they're a little bit stronger than what they think they are. 
Um, it also gives us an idea of, of what we can and can't do with them, just seeing their range of movement. Um, like when, when we're talking about the physical aspect, you know, if somebody has had a mastectomy where they've had a breast removed, they often have a, a lack of range of movement in an arm. So we don't want to strengthen anything if, it, if there's no, you know, not a full range of movement there. Um, so we look at all of those kinds of things, but we also look at just the barriers to exercise that even a lot of normal people have when they come into the gym. If they've never, you know, if they've never participated in anything like this, they're nervous. They're even more nervous because of what they've gone through. Um, some of them may still be missing their hair, so they're wearing scarves. Um, some of them just have the the emotional trauma that some go through during cancer diagnosis. Um, so we're kind of dealing with that, too. So we have a lot of barriers that we're working with, trying to make sure that they're successful, making sure that they're feeling welcome, um, that they have a group that they can feel like they can come to and chat if they need to. That's kind of where the camaraderie and the support of the Live Strong program is so important. So not only are we working with some physical trauma and difficulties, but also a lot of, of mental and emotional things that go along with, with cancer survivorship, too. So we have to kind of look at all of it. Um, we have to be, you know, very loving and caring with this group because they have gone through so much. And some of them don't mm-hmm. want to be pointed out in our population as being a cancer survivor. So they're all different. You know, some, some if it's breast cancer, will wear the pink ribbons, and they don't care who knows, and, and they're proud to show that they're a survivor. But then we have others that um, are going through it, and their families don't even know that they've been diagnosed because they're that private about it. So every cancer survivor that we work with is different, and they all need different things. And some want the camaraderie and the support. Others don't. Um, When it comes, actually, sometimes the physical aspects of working with the survivors are easier than the emotional and and the mental part of of working with, with the cancer survivors. Oh, I bet. I bet, I bet. I mean, and you have to wear you know, different hats and dealing with, you know, whatever their needs are. But I think that is a part of personal training in general. I don't know too many personal trainers that aren't also, you know, kind of a, a psychiatrist at times or a therapist, if you will, in, in helping their patients deal with emotional stressors that they have going on. And this population especially would not be any different there. So a lot of considerations that go into that. Um, We have a question here from Reggie. He is asking, what are the limits when it comes to a time frame for a successful rehab session? Is it determined by the patient or is it set as a standard that the patient has to meet? So I know, um, you know, it's a 12-week program, but, you know, if someone is not ready to move beyond that, can they re-up or is it just 12 weeks? and they have to decide where they're going from there or, or how does necessarily work? Well, it's kind of different for, for everyone. Our program is a 12-week program. We meet two days a week for an hour and 15 minutes. Um, we have some that can't do even that amount of time. So maybe they'll come in and they'll work with us for 15 or 20 minutes, and then we just kind of build on that as we go. Um, we have some that will complete the full 12 weeks of the program and then continue on as Y members and go into what we have as a, an alumni program. Um, we've had some that have started with us and then been re-diagnosed or had to have another surgery or maybe they've started and they just realized, like, I'm just not ready for this. And then what we'll do is I usually will put them on a list and I will just keep calling them every new session to see if they're ready to come back and join us. Um, so it really does kind of depend on each one. We have some that don't fit in the time frame of our actual scheduled class. So we have trainers that will work one-on-one with them when it works for them, um, just so that we can make sure that we're working with as many people as that we can get in so that they can, you know, they can get healthier. So it really depends. I mean, some of them will do the full 12 weeks, hour and 15 minutes every, you know, every Tuesday and Thursday. And some, it just, it really depends on, on the, the patient that we have. Um, but like I said, if there's something that keeps them from continuing with the program, we'll we'll just put them on a list and, and try to get them in the next program because we want them to be successful. And if they're not ready, you know, sometimes people think they're ready and then they get started and realize I'm not quite ready for this, whether it's emotional or whether it's physical, and then we'll get them back in when they're mm-hmm. not ready. Does that answer the question? Okay. Yep, I believe so. I mean, it, it is a case-by-case 
situation and you've explained the options there of how you, you know, how you work with those individuals where they are. Our next question is from Lacey. She's asking, when it comes to cancer, what are the success success rates for those who choose exercise as part of their rehab as compared to those who choose not to do exercise? If you have any data on that. Um, I I was actually just reading some studies recently on that, and I don't know the specifics of, um, like, the reoccurrence, but I do know um, that the World Cancer Research Fund estimates that 20% of all cancer diagnoses in the U.S. are related to things like body fat, lack of physical activity, um, poor nutrition, so all things that, um, that can be controlled, you know, that people that we as individuals can control um, so that, you know, not all cancers are genetic. I think a lot of people think that. As for the success mm-hmm. rate, um, we see it in our programs. I mean, we see those who drop out and maybe, you know, they end up getting a reoccurrence. I, I have read studies um, that for those that aren't doing physical activity, reoccurrence is much higher, um, but I don't know the exact numbers on that. I don't know if they really have any yet just because all of this data is still pretty new, but I do know that, that 20% of, of all cancer diagnoses in the U.S., a lot of them can be attributed to a lack of physical activity. Okay. Wow. Very good. Very good. Kaylin, do you have something you want to add on to that? Yeah, um, Unfortunately, a lot of uh, the exercise part was considered almost pseudoscience, and so the the information that had been provided in the past, and I'm talking about from the, the like 60s and 70s, was kind of overlooked because it was considered, uh, you know, not even really not a factor, and that that kind of sucks because I, I can't imagine the advancements that could have been made if that had been put in there. Um, right. I just wish that more people understood the benefits of, of good health, you know, aside from cancer. And, you know, granted, the topic is cancer on the on the show, but it, there's so many benefits to good health that I, I think because we're so used to prescriptions and everything else that, you know, that's where we start looking first. And it's almost reactionary instead of basically uh, taking a, an action before the problem. Yeah, that's very true. Very true. Yep. I mean, I would agree. I mean, and if you just look at how our insurance is set up, our insurance system, coverage is mostly geared towards, you know, reacting to recovery when you're already sick. It does not support prevention for the most part. I mean, it's getting better, and there are some, you know, coverages that will cover things that are more preact or proactive or preventative, I should say, preventative yep. medicine versus medicine to treat things, but very, very little. So, I mean, coverage if you end up in the hospital, but it benefits if you're trying not to end up in the hospital. And that's just indicative of the kind of system that we have. And in my view, it's backwards and it's very broken, but that's 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 a topic for another time, but just a long way of saying I agree with what you're saying there, Kaylin. So um, our next uh, question comment is from Susan, and Susan, we are very sorry to learn that you have lost your mother to to cancer. So our our prayers and our you know our hearts are with you there. Um, Susan says. Chemo seems to do more harm than good, yet it's still promoted. Aren't there any alternatives available? I watched my mother waste away with chemo while I watched people taking cannabis oil and therapy not suffer even half of what she did. Now, I know you're a, a personal trainer, Marley, and not necessarily a, you know, a physician specialist, but you know, from what you've seen and experienced, what thoughts do you have on that? Um, I've actually seen both. Um, as you know, I would say the majority of the people that we work with are going through chemo. Um, they're doing radiation. A very good friend of mine chose the the other route. Um, she is a was a chemical engineer um, for John Deere, and she had gone through one round of chemo and said, "I am not doing this." 
she did the study um, of seeing what was in the chemotherapy that she was taking, and she thought, you know what, I'm going to take my chances and, and not do it. And so she did a lot of the homeopathic um, types of things, and she even went out west to a center in California that did juicing. Um, that was the, the majority of her diet was juicing and organic foods. She was also doing a turmeric study um, out of, uh, I think it was John Hopkins um, at the time, and she, I mean, she fought a pretty good fight for, for quite a few years doing it that way. Um, I mean, I agree. Unfortunately, it seems that when we say cancer or, or chemotherapy kind of takes you to the brink of death without actually killing you. Um, but I, I, you know, that's the one thing. I, I think it depends on the cancer that you're fighting too in the stage that you are. Um, you know, maybe if you're a breast cancer survivor and you're in the early stages and they, they catch it quickly, you know, maybe maybe the homeopathic way is, is the way to go. Um, I think people that do it do it that way, I mean, they definitely feel a lot better because they're not getting the side effects from the chemo. But as far as the yeah. reoccurrent rates and, um, you know, their, their survival, I, I, that I, I don't know. I feel like doctors do because it's working for most of their patients. I, th- yes. I think it's such an individual decision. It, it really, you know, it's an individual decision and and really depends on what kind of cancer you have and where they stage it and and how you feel about it. So true. Right. Um, it is. No, go ahead, Kayla. It, yeah, it, it just, I mean, you, you can't fault a doctor for basically going with, with factual evidence. I mean, that's, they, you're talking about someone's life, and they they don't they hold that in high regard, and you got to appreciate and respect that. I mean, in, mm-hmm. until the field of study has been increased and there's been lots of surveys done, a lot of tests done, and basically some actual factual data, it's hard to basically say, all right, let's just do this paradigm shift and go in a totally different direction and hope it works out because, you know, there's two or three people that had some kind of benefits or results. You, you're talking about people's lives and uh, – you, 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 it's not like a hit or miss. It, 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 right. Either they live or they die. And in, until, like, they have better studies and better results, it's hard to make that shift and change. And I know it sounds like we, we should be taking every option, but that comes down to the person, uh, their lives, and their families that are basically uh, suffering with them on, you know, how it goes about. But you can't just say, you know, we got to change everything because, yeah, I, I – I get it. I really do. Cancer sucks, and there's nothing that anybody wants to say that it, that that basically determines someone's life. But these are what doctors have to deal with on a day-to-day basis. So you know, I'd rather go with the evidence they have as much as I would love for you know those options to be made available. You still have to consider where that doctor sits, and that they're, they're basically their their life, their lives are hanging in the balance as far as you know, them having a business side or basically if they're going to be thrown out of the, the, the business community because they didn't make the right decision. I guess. Um, you know, I, I think that depending on the person, their cancer, um, the, the degree to which it has already spread, um, and the resources available to that person make a difference with, the type of treatments that they can consider. Um, And, you know, chemo may be the only way for some individuals and for others it's not an option for them at all. They don't want to do it, they can't do it, or they've already had a first stint of chemo and they can't have any more, and so they have no Mm -hmm. choice but to look at other alternatives there. So that that whole question, I mean, Chemo, I mean, it's chemo tough. is a radiation. It is a, it is a poison, but it is effective yeah. at killing cancer cells. Are there other things that also can kill cancer cells? Yes. Do some people have success? Yes. Will everyone have success? No. Just like not everyone will have success with chemo. So as Kaylin said, more research is coming. It, it just really is one of those case-by-case um, yes. situations that you yeah. have to look at. Am, am I am, am I a proponent of alternative mes- medicine? Yes, but that's for me. I yeah. mean, I watched my father die from brain cancer, and uh, you know that was that was one. He had surgery; they removed it. 
chemo wafers in his brain because of the type of that he had, and he was in remission for years. Did it stop the cancer from coming back? No. And when it did come back, he was not a candidate for any further treatment. There was no surgery. There was no chemotherapy that was going to save him. And at that stage of the game, it was already too late in his particular case to try and research alternative methods, more homeopathic methods that could have helped him. Um, you know, we found the cancer too too late in the game for that to probably be an alternative for him. But if we had found it sooner, you can believe, better believe I would have been I would have been looking at other options. But that's just me, my personal choice. But just that's my perspective on that. So until cancer is not an issue anymore, I mean, there's always going to be a question. People will have choices to make about their care. But I think the long, the short, the short answer to my long, drawn out, um, you know, t- you know, dialogue right here is that you do have choices. You just have to be willing. If you have time to research them or pursue them, then you know, just be willing to look in those areas. But you know, there is always a choice. Um, and now that I've eaten up a lot of time just rambling on, let's let's move on to more of these questions that we have piling up here. Um, and again, we're just really sorry for all of our, our listeners chiming in that have lost someone to cancer. It is um, it is just a tough disease, and it can affect so many parts of the body in different ways, men, women, and children. And it's it's just fun, and I would like nothing more for it to be a distant memory. But um, so our hearts go out to everyone. It affects a lot of people and a lot of families. Um, but anyway, getting back into um, you guys and what you're asking here, um, Jimmy wants to know if he has a chance of lessening his cancer, of lessening his chances of getting cancer if he eats right and exercises regularly. Yes, definitely. I mean, studies have shown that the better you eat and the more activity that you have, the less chance you are of having cancer, especially they have one, probably one of the most extensively studied cancers in relation to physical activity is colon cancer. Um, and they've really shown that, that people that exercise and eat well um, have, I mean, especially if they're, they're extremely physically active, have a 24% lower risk of colon cancer than those who are less physically active. So that's, I mean, that's a huge one right there. Um, that 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 can be prevented. So, and like I said before, they already yeah. know that 20% of all cancer diagnoses are related to things that you know that are are things that we are doing. So, whether we're drinking too much or we're not eating healthy, um, we're we're overweight, we aren't getting any physical activity. Those cancer diagnoses could be prevented with you know doing exercise and eating well and not over drinking wow. and smoking i mean we already know that too so yes yep yep and the one thing to throw out there and i don't say this to scare everybody but it 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 just is what it is is that we all carry both the cancer we all have it right it's just whether yep. or not something is is also in our genetics that it's going to easily trigger it or is it a lifestyle trigger, or is it an environmental trigger? Um, you know, sugar feeds. Sugar feeds cancer cells. That's just yes. a fact, too. If you go out there and research it, you'll find it. That's one of the things that it likes to, you know, use as energy for itself. So just be kind of thinking about that when you're thinking about lifestyle and nutrition choices and exercises and all those things, because the research is showing that living well will reduce your chances. Is it is it a guaranteed? Nope, because we've known some perfectly healthy people that have had cancer. But again, there are a lot of different factors that could trigger it. Um, and this ties into Brandy's question. She's saying, with all the chemicals put into the ground, air, and water, doesn't it stand to reason that more and more people will succumb to new and different cancers? Yeah, I mean, it's very Thoughts possible. on that, guys? I think that- yeah. yeah, I think that that's why um, a lot of people are looking into the organic options and, and looking at cleaner food, food varieties, because the incidence of cancer has gone up dramatically over the years. And I think a lot of people may attribute it to 
what we're putting in our bodies, you know, besides the physical activity, mm-hmm. but what we're eating and the different hormones and the processing that we are doing. So I think that's definitely something that they're probably doing a lot more studies on right now to find out exactly why are, why is cancer incidence increasing the, you know, the way that it is. I, I can yeah. add Kaylin? That. Yeah, there's, there's two incidents that we can definitely remember and that's the BP oil spill and the other one is the Fukushima uh, a nuclear plant that uh, basically exploded. And both have had some very, I mean, it sucks to say very good studies off of what happened. But it's, it's I mean, you just got to look at it from a scientific point of view. I'm not saying that it's good people or, or any kind of animal life suffered because of this. But they had a very good chance to study this in detail because they've had so many across the board variations and variants to show, you know, just how destructive, um, you know, additives into water, food, air, um, you know, the fish uh, suffered greatly. I mean, there's, 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 there's shrimp now with no eyes and stalks simply because of the damage that was done with Fukushima. And also with the BP oil spill, the contamination in the water caused giant, uh, alterations in the DNA for the animals that were affected, even the sea life uh, crustaceans, where they suffered immensely, and it's just insane how, uh, in, how you know that basically the animal life adapted. But you're talking about many, many generations that basically the ones that survived were altered and changed, and so of course when people ingest those they're going to be altered and changed as well. And a lot of times the human body, you don't have generations happening over a span of basically months. You're talking years. So we will adapt, God knows. But, um, you know, look at the the people that will have to basically pass away or, or succumb to cancers that are being basically muta- mutated because of our bodies trying to adapt to it. And, uh, you know, it, it's... And this is just a, it, it's it's just tough because, you know, people are losing people, you know, not just one or two in a family. You're talking sometimes five or six to the same kinds of cancers because they're coming out of the same region and their bodies just don't adapt the way others might or might not. Or, you know, they might not be ingesting the sugar amounts because some people just love sugar. So there's, there's so many, uh, so many possibilities and it that you just can't ever regulate how things are going to go and you know we just we got to be more mindful of our own bodies and 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 hopefully you know wade through this storm because that's exactly what it is even though it's on a body all right and there you have it i'm going to circle us back around now with a question from jeremiah marley more to um the program that you offer in your ymca He's asking, does a certain kind of cancer determine a certain kind of therapy and recovery? Um, that medically speaking, um, you know, I, I'm sure that I mean, there are different types of chemotherapies and different kinds of treatments that they do for different types of can- excuse me, cancers and um, where, like I said, where they're staged. As far as our program goes, um, like I said, we just kind of work with everyone where they are. So, if it's a breast cancer survivor and, you know, what we're doing with them may be different than maybe what we're doing with a prostate cancer survivor because their needs are different. Um, their surgeries are different. They, they may be battling different things, like I said earlier. With a lot of our, our breast cancer survivors, you know, range of movement is a big one because they've had surgeries. And so our, our process with them um, for exercise is going to be a, a lot different than, you know, like I said, somebody that's, that's got prostate cancer. Um, we, we've seen just about every kind of cancer. And I would say that, I mean, probably the biggest majority of cancer survivors we work with are, are breast cancer just because I think that's the, the most highly occurring, um, cancer. But, um, yeah, for, for us, we, every single one is, is a little bit different. Um, so, I mean, as far as treatment options go for physicians, I, I know that the, the chemotherapies that the different cancers have are all different depending on what the cancer is and, like I said, what it's staged at. Did I answer that? I'm not okay. sure what he was looking for. Yes. Um, I mean, I think from your perspective, that's that's the answer that you can give. Um, 
because some of some of the questions our our listeners have would be I mean we really need to have a physician on the show but since we don't yes. um you know we might not get to you know the core of what they're looking for but from a personal training perspective you know I think you answered it very well um this one is from John and he wants to know does water play a role in keep in keeping cancer um lower in individuals who hydrate correctly that's a good question. That I, I am not sure. Um, I've actually never even had that come up where people have asked about that. I would be curious to see. I mean, I would assume that maybe water intake has something to do with all of it, as we were talking about with the body and dehydration, which could also lead to inflammation, which, you know, it's, it's kind of a big cycle with how we take care of ourselves. Um, as far as the, the water and, and being hydrated and the correlation with cancer, that's that's one that I'm actually interested in looking at. I we've never even talked mm. about that with my group. Oh, um, there you go. You may have sparked something. Uh, yeah, you may have sparked <laughs> something new there, John. I may be yeah. looking into <laughs> that tomorrow. <laughs> He's got a follow up question. What which foods decrease um, risk of the mini? Or maybe the better question is which tend to lead themselves to higher instances of cancer, if you know the answer on either front? Well, like we've talked about, I think, you know, the sugar, um, the highly processed foods, they've, they've found that things that are, that are more processed, I think some of the things that we're putting into our bodies and some of the chemicals, the human body doesn't know how to break this stuff down. Um, it doesn't know what to do with it, and I think that that is part of it. So for us, like when we talk to our survivors, we do encourage them to go more organic, things that haven't don't have the chemicals on them. Um, we're telling them mm-hmm. to do those those foods that you hear about that are that are cancer fighting, um, like berries and spinach, and you know the, the colored food groups. We try to get them to do and just kind of take some of the processing out. The one thing that I have noticed when I do talk to my cancer survivors. A lot of them really like sugar, and that's a big one that we try mm-hmm. to get them to pull out mm-hmm. of their diet. And a lot of them have noticed how they feel better when they start removing that. So that's a big one that, that we do push. Um, but we do try to push a little bit of the organic and just trying to be definitely more cognitive of what they're putting into their bodies and more of the natural versus the processed foods. Yep. So I've just taken just – a quick spin out here on the internet. I mean, there's a lot of articles and I'm not trying to pretend to be an expert by any means on this, but you know, some of the um, things that are popping up, refined sugar is definitely on several lists, Um, soda and carbonated beverages, white flour, uh, you know, basically your processed foods and your high sugar foods, um, are, are going to so be donut. the majority of every right. list, which or donut, or cookie. Right. Um, you know, red meat is definitely on there, but you're probably going to find proponents out there that are going to say red meat is not <laughs> is not actually linked. Um, partially hydrogenated oils, canned foods. Um, you know, just just the basic things. Of, if you look at any you know health and wellness article of things not to eat. You're probably going to see a lot of the same foods, high sugar foods, processed foods, you know, carbonated beverages, all of that kind of stuff that we shouldn't be eating that we like to uh, eat because it tastes good. And because ingredients in them that trigger cravings and in, in, in line to keep eating them. Um, it's more fun to eat the cookie than it is the Brussels sprouts, <laughs> even though I like both. True. I love a good Brussels True. sprout. I do. But if you give me an option, depending on the day, the Brussels sprout's probably not going to win, even though I know better. I know better, but, you know, but those are all things to keep in mind. And I'm probably much better off, not probably, I am much better off since I have switched over to a lifestyle where I'm limiting all of those sorts of things and not just eating them based on my mood or craving or anything like that. You know, Snickerdoodle probably is not. Not the not the protein. Maybe the cookie. The cookie might be cake. Maybe the cookie. But, you know. <laughs> anyway, here we go. Getting back on task here. This one is from Dale. 
Does stress or worry affect risk of cancer? Does that play a role in the benefits of exercise? And the short answer, I think, Dale, is yes, because exercise can help alleviate stress. But Marley, lay it on us. Does stress or worry affect risk of cancer? And what role does exercise play in that? Yeah, it definitely does. Um, I mean, they've already shown that stress causes all kinds of of reactions within the body. Um, And we already know also that exercise can kind of be its own antidepressant. Um, So getting the body moving and all of that, it helps your brain function. It helps your body function. You feel better. I always have my survivors say, I feel better when I leave than I did when I came in. And it just shows that the benefit of exercise, I mean, maybe for those couple hours, they're not worrying so much about what's going on with them. And then they leave with a better attitude. I feel healthier. I feel better. Um, I can move better, whatever it may be. Uh, Exercise definitely helps, helps with the stress and it helps with the depression. And for us, not only is the exercise part of it, but being with the group and exercising, it's, it's, it's another thing. I mean, they're all lifting each other up in the teamwork and they're pushing each other to be healthier and be better. And I think all of that combined helps with the stress and the worry. Um, all of it acts as kind of an antidepressant and a, and a stress reliever. Um, and I think that, I mean, one of the things that we really push with our, our people as well is find those activities and those exercises that you really enjoy because that's even going to make you more successful and you're going to be having fun at the same time. And, and the more fun you're having also is going to help relieve the stress. So definitely physical activity plays a huge role on stress and worry and cancer reoccurrence and how successful you are. I mean, we've even found that people's outlook really, I mean, you know, their, their success in their treatments and everything, outlook has a lot to do with it as well. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. And there are books out there, too, and I think I referenced one not that long ago, but I definitely want to be talking about it more, about how, you know, you can train your brain to um, have a more positive outlook, which does impact your health because your brain is, is, well, your brain is the hub of life, and it controls everything in your body, and it communicates through your nervous system. And it, it can determine when pain are triggered on or turned off. A lot of that has to do with how you perceive things as well. So you can actually train yourself and your mind into feeling better. That seems like a very way out, whacked out concept, but there's research hey, hey, out ben, there that backs it up. Yeah. Can I jump in on that? You can jump in on that. Go ahead. Okay. Just just to set an example, because I got a lot of listeners saying, you know, come on, this is this is sounding kind of crazy. But I can speak to something <laughs> similar to what you're saying, and it, this is going to actually back up exactly your point, and that's, you know, what your mind understands to be done. And I, I, I remember taking all the weight off a machine so I could show a lady how to do the, the leg press, and I was showing her the benefits of it, and, you know, what it was connecting on and what it was doing. And I, basically it was about maybe seven or eight people that gathered around. And I was thinking, well, heck, all these people can't have this much trouble with the leg press. My goodness, you know, they, they've been here on a regular basis. And what it was is that I had taken all the weight and actually put it on the rack, and I was using a single leg to push and show her how, the, you know, the machine was working. But because I thought the machine was clean from the weight, it did not affect how I was pushing it because I thought there was no weight on it until someone had actually showed it to me. Then I understood how heavy it was. So, you know, guys, don't speak against the power of the mind. It's really incredible when you understand, you know, just how powerful it can be if you use it in the right way. Yes. Yeah, amen to that. So I guess that's going to have to be a future show, guys. Like I said, I know it sounded like a way whacked out concept, but there's yeah, a lot of truth to Crazy days. <laughs> That's okay. You can think it, but as Marley was saying, your outlook and, you know, view things. I mean, there have been several studies that show people that have a better outlook on their health and wellness, even those suffering these, you know, physical ailments, they feel faster and better than those yes. who don't. 
So I'll let you guys ponder that one. I'll let you guys ponder that one. I'm going to move on to the next question, though, because we're running out of time. And thank you for this question, Sheldon. It's a good one. This one is for you, Marley. How do you keep your composure when dealing with such a serious matter on a daily basis? Good question. Um, that, that is probably the hardest part of our job. Um, and unfortunately, you know, we've lost people in our program. We've lost people during our program, which has been incredibly difficult. I think the biggest thing, well, as instructors, we kind of lean on each other also. Um, we do kind of take some breaks in between our sessions. So we'll take a couple weeks off of the session just so that we can, you know, kind of relax and put the next session into our brains. And, I mean, the, the, I, I, it's hard to, I don't know, it's hard to verbalize, but, um, they, they, I mean, because a lot of them will keep coming and they'll still be part of our program, but it, it can be very difficult. And it, it's hard for a lot of our instructors dealing with it as well. We, in fact, we have one instructor that, or one trainer that is a cancer survivor. Um, so it's good for us to kind of step away from the program also. So like this summer, we take a, uh, a month off so that we can kind of step, step away and just, you know, get ready for the next session and, um, I, I mean, I guess the, the the thing that we always keep in mind is as difficult as it is, we know that we're helping them. We know that we're making such a positive impact on their lives. And it's, I, I guess, for us just knowing that we're helping them, um, it kind of takes away, I mean, I don't know, it's kind of hard to explain how how it feels. I mean, because it, it's definitely something that's very serious. Um, but knowing that we're making such a positive impact on their lives, I think, is what helps us get through the sessions. When we lose people, it's very hard, but we also know that that's, that's just what happened in their story and that we need to move on with the other survivors that we have and help them as best we can while, while they're here and while they're with us. So that's what we just, just keep focusing on. And, um, you know, we, we do our own stress reliever things, whether it's our own exercise or, you know, the other things that we do in our daily lives to keep our, ourselves focused on, you know, the things that we enjoy in our own lives and not always be focused on, on the bad part of it. Because, I mean, cancer is horrible, but we see a lot of the positives of the people that come out of our program, too. So we focus on that. We focus on the strength that they're gaining and how much better they feel and just the improvement in the quality of life that they have while they're with us. So I think that's kind of what, what we focus on more than the fact that these people are so sick um, and that for some of them, you know, it's never going to be better. They're not going to get better, and unfortunately some will, will, will move on. And, um, you know, we just we try to do the best that we can while we're with them and just help improve their quality of life and, and try to just make them feel good when they're with us. Yeah, and amen to that. So I appreciate I appreciate all that you and your training do for this special population, and I know there are others. Um, you know, we might have to have another show on those guys, but for tonight I know that, you know, this is such a uh, widespread area that affects so many people. So if you know anyone out there who knows a cancer survivor or someone who's battling cancer now, exercise may not seem like it's anything that they're interested in. It's probably not even on their radar. But after hearing this, it may be something that you would want to look into for them and make a recommendation to them and check to see if there are any programs like this out there that they can take advantage of. I mean, and this is a particularly great one and that it's free and that is so awesome. Um, more of that. And uh, so, Marley, what was the name of the organization that, that got you guys started? Because I'm sure they've planted other programs like this around the U.S. Yes. Yes. Um, there's over 500 Live Strong at the Y locations across the United States, and they can go to um, ymca.org and find Live Strong, look up Live Strong that way, or they can go to the Live Strong Foundation page, which is livestrong.org, and look up Live Strong at the YMCA. And it will pull up all the locations in the country that we offer this program. Um, and okay. they all run pretty much the same way that we run ours in the Quad Cities. So it's a free program, 12 weeks. Um, they can contact their local YMCA and see if they have the program there. 
All right, awesome. And then you also referenced that your particular location is looking for um, more personal trainers, physical therapists for the Live Strong program there. If someone is listening and they have experience in that area and they would be interested in applying, how would they go about doing that? Um, probably the best way would be to contact me at the Scott County Family Y. You can find us online at scottcountyfamilyy.org. And that would be for our area. I'm the one in charge of it, and I'm the one that does all the hiring for our trainers. So I would be the person they want to talk to. All right. There you have it, folks. Again, Marley, thanks so much. We appreciate your time and all of the information and knowledge that you've shared with us. And, guys, on behalf of Marley, Kaylin, myself, and the boys at P4P Muscle, your body is a temple, so let's build it. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.